Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champ, nine-year pro kicking coach, rep in the South, Coach Brian Jackson. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the Fourth Down Experience. I'm Brian Jackson. And I'm Chris Hughesby. And we're excited, guys. We have an awesome podcast today with a veteran NFL player. Chris, you want to talk about him a little bit? Well, first of all, guys, we are at a monumental interview here. This is our 75th interview since starting the Fourth Down Experience podcast. So we are excited. We got Lawrence Tynes on the podcast. Uh, he is a two time Super Bowl champion. We're interviewing this and recording this kind of out of order. We started the call to chit-chat with him, and all of a sudden we just got into our water cooler talk about the kicking industry, his career, and all that type of stuff. So what we're going to do, guys, is we're just going to transition right into that conversation. But it was a phenomenal conversation of just everyday talk. So take a listen. What's your take on when, just from the research I've done, it appears guys over six foot lean more towards the two step. Hmm. Like when you look at Hoshka, Hoshka You know what's funny about Hoshka? Uh, before he broke through in the NFL, uh, times do you remember? Do you remember the AAFL in like '07 or something? Like that wasn't that like no nets or something? Was it was gonna be, no, it was going to be. It was going to be an outdoor league. It was okay. one of those, out, you know, these oh, leagues that come up and they say they're going to do stuff and then they do a draft and then they go to funk real quick. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Me, I mean, I vaguely I remember. But. Me and Hauschka got drafted to the Ohio team. Really? Yeah, and I remember looking up specs on this guy and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to beat this guy out. Like, I got him. Like, <laughs> I'm 5'7". Like, I'm going to beat this 6'4 guy out. And then, like, that league went to funk. Like, no, no chance. And then... <laughs> now, like, years later, Hoshka's, like, you know, kind of like you, just have, has played for several years, and obviously you have Super Bowls, but... He um, has, you know, he, he was a unique story because he, I believe he's played at an NAIA school or something? Yeah. And then he transferred to, was it, was it NC State, or... So I, don't, I don't know. I remember yeah. being in a small school. He went to some, he won, big, I think it was NC State. Uh, I could be wrong, but... Anyway, and then he he won the kickoff job with the Ravens, right? I think with Stover. Yeah. And then he had it. Then he became the full time guy, and he struggled a little bit. And they got rid of him. And he kind of bounced around, but he he definitely from the time he left the Ravens to what he is where he is now. Obviously, he had to make a change because he was struggling. That's he, he's since implemented that really you know just exaggerated okay. like two step. His operation time is so fast. But, yeah, uh, he just hits such a straight ball, though. It's unbelievable. Uh, stuck up is a two-step. Grab yep. nose, a two-step. Yeah. Uh, Bucker is a two-step. Yeah. Uh, so those are all. Bucker's tall. You know, Graham's, Graham's six foot, probably. I think uh, he's six two. I think he's six foot two. Yeah. Uh, already six foot. Yeah, Bucker's huge. Fun. Good God. You're you're he's, over six. You're six three, right? I'm six two. Yeah, six two. Um, yes, yeah, so like six six four. I think. But Cairo, Cairo Santos, he's like a jab two step, so he has like a like a one or yeah. two inch little little baby step. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. You watched last night. He's I did. Five ten. He's a three stepper. Yeah. Didn't he? Wasn't he in camp though with uh, Tucker? Yep. Yes. Yeah, see, anyone that's went to camp with Tucker kids like that, like they, I forget that special teams coach's name. Uh, that's the only guy that I that I would that I would brag and, and raise my hand and say I trained. We we trained together pretty much all all college. Was you good. and Tucker, Lutz. Oh, Lutz. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. I like him a lot. So he was just a hardcore cruncher, and so that was when I was around Houston. So that was when I was like, hey man, you know, like, let's just try to. Just, you know, you can still keep your head and shoulders a little over the ball, but let's try to 
I actually won that whole camp. So they do the whole, you know, 10 kicks. Okay, if you made all 10, then they break it down, and then there's 10 left. And then the top four guys got to go into Jordan Eric kick. And so yeah. I went in there, and, you know, it's a 30-yarder, a 40-yarder, a 50-yarder. And after 40, I was the last man standing. So everyone had already missed one, so I kept having to go back. So I got to 45, made it, 50 made it, 55 made it. 60, I think I just went just under the crossbar. And it was funny because I thought, for sure, I'm like, I'm getting a scholarship. Like, mm-hmm. someone had to see this. Like, Auburn, all those, you remember, like, Dan Mowry and all them? Like, the guys who ran it? Like, the, yeah. I'm sure, I was just thinking, someone's going to go <laughs> tell their coaches about this kid that, you know, this, this stupid skinny kid from Florida that's only kicked one year. Mm-hmm. And it never came, man. It was weird. I had a really good senior year, and I, I ended up, you know, walking on at Troy. Yeah. Are you still, to this day, the only uh, kicker punter that's that's from Troy that's in, that's played in the league? Um, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, well, so, kicker, yeah, but our punter, it was funny, so Matt Allen was our punter. We both walked on together. He lives in Birmingham, dear friend of mine. He played for the Giants, and the okay. Falcons, and the Seahawks, so... We both walked on together. We both redshirted. And then we both started for four years. I was lucky. In college, I had the same holder and same snapper for four years. And Matt Allen, still to this day, he's the best holder pro college high school I've ever had in my life. He was so good. I mean, he was 6'5", um, had the sweetest pair of hands you've ever seen. And he just made my, my life easy in college. I can't wait till Steve Weatherford hears this. Yeah, well, Steve was <laughs> Steve was good, but it was no he was no Matt Allen. I already I think I already told Steve that. <laughs> was there was there another punter um, that was close to making it from Troy after you? Kind of yeah, there was a guy like, named like Thomas Olmstead or something. Holmes, yeah, I Olmstead, was like, like not, Olm, yeah. like O L M Stead, yeah. It's like it's not yeah. Olmstead, but it's no okay. he he was good and. I think he went to camp with somebody, maybe the Dolphins or something. Okay. But, yeah, Matt actually played in the league. So you'll remember this. Everyone remembers it. And it sucks for Matt. So every wild card weekend they bring up the game. Remember Trey Junkins' bad snap? Yeah. Matt Allen is the punter, holder on that. Yeah. And so Matt rolls out. You know, it's third down. Matt Bryant's the kicker. Matty B's kicking. And he gets it, rolls, throws the ball. That you know, obviously, game's over. Well, the next day, the NFL comes back and says, "Pass interference." Well, it doesn't do any good, right? Because the 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 lineman that went downfield was legal. But Matt Allen, he never never played another down in the NFL, and he had an unbelievable game too in the playoffs. He punted really well, and then you know, ever that snap affected a lot of people lost their job because of it. Wow. Yeah. So it's Matt gets reminded of that every year because during Wild Card Weekend they always show that play, right? So yeah. I hate that that's what Matt's remembered for because you know he he was talented. He just he never really got another shot after that. We went through Gary Anderson up here in Minnesota. Oh yeah, so. oh yeah, Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah, that's heartbreaking. Yes. That's why I think you should miss more during the regular season, so there's not so much pressure to play us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Try, yeah, try not to have a perfect right. season. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. It's just like the Patriots. Like, all the pressure was on them in our first Super Bowl. I mean, they're 18 and 0. Like, we had no pressure. Mm-hmm. Zero. None. Underdog, they're 18 and 0. All the pressure was on them. So, it's almost like Gary Anderson. Like, I mean, what do you make? 38 or something in a row? I don't know what the number is. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so. I encourage you to miss more in the regular season. That would be my words of <laughs> advice. <laughs> well, nowadays they cut you for one miss, practically. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's, it's tough, man. I mean, I was 84% in New York over six years, and I mean, that's that's average right now. Um, that's that's interesting. It, it, it's just gotten, the guys have gotten so good. As you guys, you guys see them, you train them, you see these kids. I mean, people are kicking at 10 and 11 years old. I mean, I have 12-year-old twin boys. One of them punts, one of them kicks already. My, I would say my 12-year-old, he could go a whole lounge right now. 
He's so good. I, he's been holding since he was like seven. All he wants to do is hold snaps. Like he wants me to snap him the ball, <laughs> and because he, he loves spinning it and putting it down, and which is great because when he misses one and his brother misses one in high school, he can blame his brother. <laughs> so That's cool. um, yeah, and um, it's cool that one kind of gravitated towards punting, and then one gravitated towards kicking. So um, yeah, but yeah, to your point, it's the NFL. It, oh, is it's just still cutthroat right now. Um, the PAT's really been the differentiator. I mean, I never played with that throughout the year they implemented that, so <clears throat> that's a tough deal. I mean, that's a real kick, as you guys know. You know, what's interesting is in Minnesota, we've had an issue with kickers now for probably the last five, six years, or just yeah. bad luck. And, you know, people forget that they they changed the PAT rule to make it more exciting and potentially miss a kick every once in a while. And now it's like cutthroat for kickers' lives. Like, you almost can't miss a PAT now. And then they'll say next man up, you know. It's well, because it, to them, right, to, to personnel people, to owners, to fans, to the people that follow football, it's still a PAT, right? I mean, yeah. Everyone, it, they don't factor in. It's it's a thirty three yard kick, and you know what blows me away is is I see so many guys, not so many, but I see a lot of guys kicking it from the middle of the field. Um, I just I don't know. I would use a hash mark. I mean, I, I would. I don't know which one to be honest with you. Probably, I'd I would probably just yeah, yeah, probably because for me, and I tell young guys this all the time is. You know, a lot of the missed kicks in the NFL are from the middle of the field. And if you look at it and you study numbers and you look at, you know, where the kick was from, I used to do this whenever I played because I had access to all the film, right? I could, every every Monday, Tuesday, I could go in and watch every kicker in the NFL's kicks, field goals, PATs, kickoffs. And you see a lot of kicks missed from the middle of the field. And it's really, there's two things at play, right? You only have nine feet to miss on each side. That's why I would be a hash guy. I've got 18 feet to miss. Now people say, well, you have zero feet to miss if you yank it. Well, if you're a pro kicker, you're good enough to kind of you know play a little slice or play a little something to where you can fade it in there. So I, that would be my mindset on those. And then middle of the field is a danger zone for kickers is because there's no visual cues for the guy, right? So when you back up and go left on a hash mark, you have all these visual cues, right? My foot hits the hash here. I start going over here. The middle of the field, there's nothing for these guys. It's a little more subjective. Yeah, and it's really, it's muscle memory, but at the same time, I think some guys get long and some guys get short from the middle of the field just because they don't have, you know, these visual cues from the hash marks. And so I think that's part of the problem in college. I mean, obviously it's a lot tougher, you know, the angles, but I still say more guys in the NFL miss because they lined up wrong. And, and t- typically, if I missed a kick, it's because I lined up wrong. I was off by, you know, three inches here, three inches there, and then you had it all up. And you, I mean, I had so many good balls that just missed because I probably lined up wrong. Yeah, um, I mean, you rarely I see someone shank one, right? I mean, you just don't see that very often. But when I start seeing guys get up on the right panel a little bit and start hitting a little, little X right-to-left mm-hmm. draw on accident, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll put them on the left hash and kind of just show them the exposed inside back left panel if they're righty. And I'll just say, hey, kind of come up through this a little more, kind of hit a little yeah. high float right and over end ball. It's okay if you yeah. miss it right. Let's get back to that rotation. So like for yeah. me personally, I, I would have been a left hash guy just because, I mean, I was I think I would have been too. You know, then I wouldn't have worried about wrapping and coming around Right. Flirting with that left upright. Yeah. Um, but Especially no, like into like a left or right win or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, a lot of guys, you know, the X-Ball, uh, Mike Hollis played an X-Ball. Like, it was that's the most true. unbelievable thing. Uh, and, you know, some of those balls can, can travel pretty far. But I always hit, I was just like, if, there, if you relate this to golf, like, I was a really good ball striker. Like, I had a pretty end-over-end ball that... I hit on the screws every time, and that was kind of what helped me have success, especially in the Meadowlands in New York. Is you got to hit a true ball. I mean, if you hit, as you know, if you miss the ball at all, 
in any kind of wind, it just accents it 50 times more if you don't hit it good. Yeah. So, you know, and I think a lot of guys overplay wind. I really think um, I learned that in New York. You know, my first year there, I was like, I was playing, you know, never give up the uprights, right? But sometimes in New York, you're from 45, you're like, I'm going to start this outside the upright. Um, and hopefully it comes in. And then obviously you hit it, you hit it on the screws and it misses right. You're just like, damn it. You know, it's yeah. just like, just don't overtake it. So then, you know, as I teach these kids out here, I work with kids every once in a while. Um, I don't commit to it, but, you know, if people call me and ask me to come out, I'll come out and work with their kid. But I just tell them never go up the uprights. I mean, I just, I just think that's, that's important. When, so going back to the two-step, just out of curiosity, I'm just going to play devil's advocate because I've had a couple coaches like, not like debate me or like counter me, but like talk about it, like have a discussion mm-hmm. with the, with going back to like the jab or the two-step, hearing a couple of them say to me like, well, I kind of like having the jab because if, if there's a bad snap or a low snap and you have that hesitation you know, you have that jab to play with. I guess, like, how would you respond to that? Because I struggle with responding to a coach to that if, if I'm No, it's a, great, it's a great point because if there's anything it looking back, you know, the NFC Championship's a perfect example. The kick I had at the end of the game that I missed in Green Bay in 08, it was probably one of the worst kicks I've hit in my career. Probably, it is, actually. Um, we got a really high snap, and... Jeff Fiegels had to leave his feet, right? He, he leaves his knee, stands up, grabs it, puts it down. And to your point, I'm a two-step kicker. I had nowhere to go except I could start leaning. And I start leaning, and I'm leaning backwards, and I'm leaning left. And I'm like, when are you going to put the ball down? And so when I hit it, I had no chance of making it. Zero. Um, and I absolutely just dog-made it left. And that's a great point. But I think the, how you would answer that, I, I would just say, look, I mean, it's, it's obviously the snapper and the holder's job to, to give you a good snap and hold. I never, as a kicker, want to plan for something bad to happen. I mean, I, I, I want as clear ahead as possible. So, like, you know, when that happens, I want it to kind of be a shock to me. Like, I, I don't ever want to think, you know, my snapper's It's a, good, it's my a low snapper. percentage play anyway, then. Yeah, and so I would just take the consistency over time of the two-step versus the inconsistency of the once-a-year, twice-a-year bad snap for the jab. That's that's really how I would look at it. Um, I, guess. I just think the consistency of the two-step over time is better than, you know, someone with a jab. And, you know, it's a great point, he, and he's got a great point. I mean, if you have a jab... If I had a jab, I'd probably make that kick in at the end of regulation. But then it's not as exciting. So, but then you look at all the the rest of the season that you played before that. Yeah, the, 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 all the season before that, you're taking all yeah all your two step kicks. I want to flip, yeah. flip to another question on you. This is completely other side of kicking world. All right, so we have we have Bonial, who's with the uh, Bucks. Okay, so he's, we have a, a former kicker slash kicking coach now at yeah. at the Bucks, right? Um, we get, we have Brown at the Ravens. Um, I don't did did Brown kick though? Who? He's like a he's like a oh, coach. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's awesome. I forget his first name. He's like a mayor of some town he, outside. He's a gym or I forgot. But he did, so did he actually kick? Because everyone talked about how awesome he is and. Obviously with Tucker and, and Cook, he, did he oh, kick? He, and then he had Stover there. I mean, he's had I forget his name. He's phenomenal. He's such an awesome guy too. Um, forget his first name. Um, he'll spend time with you too. Like when you play them in the preseason or regular season, I mean, he always comes out to chats. He's not giving you pointers or anything, but you can see. You know, he obviously knows the game. I don't. I don't know what his credentials are, but um, so, he, so he's a kicking coach. All right. He is the kicking coach, and yeah. then. Rossburg was the special teams. And then now we have uh, Jamie Cole, who's like a, kind of like an adjunct type. He's a kicking coach for the Bears. And then okay. we have uh, Nate Kading, who's with the Vikings. 
Okay. So, like, where I'm getting at is, like, where, and then in college, you, you have, like, a lot of GAs. You're starting to see a handful of GAs that kicked that are now on staff. What's your thoughts? Like, where do you see this going? Like, in, in 5, 10, 15 years, are we, like, thinking half the league is going to have kicking coaches? Like, real kicking um, Former kickers? Potentially. Coaches? Potentially. I mean, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, I got approached when I got done about coaching and, and more along special teams. I guess, for me, I was ready to kind of get away from it, and I just didn't want to be away from my family. I mean, right. you guys you guys know what coaches go through. You guys travel a lot, too, I'm sure, and away from your family. But I, for me, at this you know at that point in time, it just was not the right time. Um, as my kids get a little bit older, I, I'll probably entertain the idea of doing it. Right. Um, I love working with kids. Love it. I really love going out there. Um, I love working with my own kids. Uh, I, I could see it. I mean, it, to me, and you guys could probably, you guys know more. You probably see more of this. I think college kicking has regressed. I agree. And I and I, I don't know if I'm wrong about that or I, I don't have statistics to back that up. But, you know, I don't know, three or four years ago I'm watching Florida State, Clemson. I don't know why this kick sticks with me. And it was a tight game. Like it was when Florida State was good and Clemson was up and coming and still pretty good. And Clemson turned down a 35-yard field goal. This is after Canizara left. So – um, I'm just thinking to myself, Clemson University turned down, and it was like a seven-point game, six minutes left, like, and they turned it down. And I'm just thinking to myself, where are we at with college football, college kicking, that we're turning down, you know? And Alabama, listen, for God's sakes, I know they got this new kid, but I just, I don't understand it. Like, I, I just, and maybe it's because. You know, to your point, it's, it's GAs. It's the rah-rah guy, kick it, make it, rah You know, it's like, I just think so many people coach way too much of the kicking part and not enough people spend enough time, you know, building this guy up because at the end of the day, kicking is between the brain. I mean, in between your ears. It's, it's literally who is the most mentally tough guy that can kick. And that's what it is. And it's not always... I'll tell you the honest to God, the truth. I went to training camp two or three times, and I can't even remember some of the kids' names. And they all had way better legs than me. I mean, way better legs than me. And I was sitting there going, hmm, this kid's really good. But you put him out there under the lights in a preseason game, couldn't make anything. And so I think that's kind of what you're seeing in high school, right? High school, they, they, they got these bomber kids. They get to college. They don't really have anyone to lean on outside of a, I mean, a GA. I, I don't know. I, you, you know, it's you're going to do more listening to a Nate Kading, to a Chris Boniel, to a whoever else is doing it that you mentioned, um, than you are a GA. And so I think that makes a lot of sense, actually, um, that those guys are doing that. I would certainly listen to someone um, if somebody asked me to do it for sure. Right. I mean, I was, I worked for a D2 school, uh, Miles College in Birmingham. Yeah. I did that for two years. And those guys, we wouldn't go past 40 reps um, after, it, this was after three step kickoffs to the returners and then yep. their reps for for their actual, actual periods. And then we literally would only do three or four of certain, certain skills. And then I was like, all right, guys, we're just going to start jogging around the the track we're gonna do a little bit of abs we're gonna stretch yeah and these guys were fresh so like all the way through season you know Dude, three-step kickoffs is one of my favorite things in the world i could <laughs> do those all day long i love three-step kickoffs how about Morstead's pooch kickoff from midfield last night it was awesome off the ground oh I mean, it was off the ground i was wondering something looked yeah they had a holder so that was awesome, and it was just you know pretty cool play. It makes sense because he probably has that shot. That's his max shot, right? So I'd love three step kickoffs because that's all we ever did. Like I would always, you know, even as an older player with the Giants, I like they would always say, "Hey, you want us to use the judge?" And I finally said, "Look, I do all kickoff return drills. Like I want to service the kickoff return, and yeah. we would only do them from like the forty, you know, 
and I could put it. Coach Coughlin would stand right next to me. He just chit chat the whole time, and he's wagering with me. I could put it within one or two yards of where I wanted every mm-hmm. time, and it was just. I think it's such a great drill to get a rhythm. It's just similar to your field goals, you know. In a sense, I almost I actually two stepped them because I would do, I would do my field goal steps, and I just did for ball contact, staying smooth, and just kind of moving the ball around. That was one of my favorite things to do, and then it ultimately helps you with your kickoffs because, you know, at the end of the kickoff is really three steps. Yep. You know, you're using seven, eight, nine, ten yards, or you know, Jason Hansen used the whole damn field, but <laughs> um, yeah, that Jason was just Hansen, bizarre to me. Seventeen yard, eighteen yard kickoff, bizarre, and God, he had an unbelievable career. He played at Dome, so it's funny we never voted for Dome kickers. <laughs> ever oh yeah ever no way I never even when Blair Walsh was the pro bowler that year his rookie year yeah I yeah. I mean it was a no brainer to vote for him but I, I don't think I voted for him <laughs> <laughs> because I was the alternate that year and I had no chance because he made he was like 10 for 10 from 50 plus so obviously Lawrence played several years in the league and he knows punting and has been around punters some good ones yeah, really good ones. Colquitt and Fegels and Wattard and man, I, the most talented guy I was ever around though is a guy you probably never heard of. He played one year, and the only reason you know him is because he kicked the ball to to Deshaun Jackson. Remember? Is it is it oh. Turk? Who is it? Is that no, the one that Matt went Dodge. like 109 yards? Matt, oh, oh, Matt Dodge. Oh. The New York media apps. So we were up by 21 with like seven minutes left against Philly, which obviously we both know. Giants and Eagles hate each other. And they score. Then Akers hits us with this sneaky onside kick, surprise onside kick. You know, he could he could lay that thing down on a dime. Like, it, it was the most unbelievable. He, he's still to this day the best ever at it. And then they get that score. Score again. And then, okay, we're tied. Maybe we're going to go to overtime. Eight eight seconds left. Matt Dodge just catches this and punt it. Get it out. And he shanks it dead down the middle. Deshaun Jackson returns it. That kid had the strongest leg, most flexible kid I've ever seen. He was like 6'1", 225, 6% body fat. And in practice, never seen a kid hit balls like that. And he just, you know, what we were talking about earlier – from East Carolina, he just couldn't get over the mental hurdle. And it's a shame because the talent, the leg the leg talent that kid had, I still, I don't think anyone's anyone's ever matched him that I've seen. You know, Dustin Colquitt can crush it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Fegels was more of a placement guy. I mean, Jeff was re- literally the first directional outside the numbers out of bounds guy that was. And that's what kept Jeff playing, you know, 22 years like he did was he was not a bomber. Jeff could just absolutely paint the sideline. I loved watching him punt in practice. What do you think about these punts where these guys are angling certain ways with their body and then they're almost sitting like Eckler or like banana punts or whatever and now your traditional spirals and it's and it's going left or right and it's almost either rolling or or it's just making it like kind of a harder catch. Yeah, I mean, that's guys have gotten so good, man. They all have, like, a, a, a bag of clubs. Like, Dustin Colco was really the first guy I was around because, I, you know, I broke Dustin in as a holder in his rookie year and then his second year. And he uh, he had these shots, and he just – he called one the leaf. Um, it's insane. Like, he – like, plus 50, you know, he hits it. He holds it. So he's left-handed. Obviously, left-footed. He holds it. If you're holding the back of the ball, he tilts it out towards the left. So, like, picture that. That's how he hits the leaf. And if you ever get under that ball, it he calls it the leaf because it falls like a leaf. It kind of, like, goes left and right on the way down. It's unreal. And he can do it literally nine out of ten times and make it fall like a leaf. And that's why I think Dustin probably has the most fumbles probably in the NFL over the last 15 years. He's just got so many different shots. Um, I love that, you know, the Aussie punts really change football. I mean, that thing is right, almost so guaranteed. I guess I want to talk to both of y'all on this. So, 
kind of had a debate. I was I was with a group of kids training this past weekend in Mississippi, and we were, were talking, and and Chris and I have uh, a new snapping coach that's young, and he's from Australia. And he, okay. I think he's the first ever Division One FBS Australian long snapper that that played FBS ball from Australia as a snapper. Yep. Um, T- Tim O'Donnell, and he. We, we would say, hey, rugby rollout. You know, you hear everyone say rugby rollout. He had told us recently, like, you guys are killing it. It's 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 just a rollout. It's not it's not a rugby rollout. You know, so he's like, and, and so then we would say, all right, guys, let's do an Aussie punt where, you know, you're basically doing a drop punt inside the 10, you know, just a two-step or a three-step, and you're just Aussie punt. He was like, no, that's that's not an Aussie. That's a, that's a drop punt. You're just trying to drop punt it inside the 10. It's is is he accurate? Is, what have you heard? Like when you roll out, I thought that was kind of a rugby roll. You know what's what's the terminology that? Mm, that you know told? that was that was something that came about way after I got out of college. I never saw it until I was in the league, and then I'll tell you much. NFL punters love it that are in the league right now because it's it's just going to keep them in the game longer. The more Talking teams about- do that, yeah, the rugby punt. I think so, it's silly. So that's I, I know why they do it. It's because obviously the gunners never lead before the ball's punted. So this is for and college you're talking about, or for the NFL? On the on the rollout. Yeah. Um, I'm just talking about. I never. I was never around it. Like I seen guys do it in in college, but obviously you can't do that punt in the NFL. Right, right, right. So I think because you, you can't right leave now. until the yeah. You just can't. So, I mean. Until the ball's kicked. So, so you were rolling. saying that the NFL guys are loving like the end over and drop punt? Well, no, they just love that guys do the rugby punt in college because to uh, them, that, okay. it doesn't translate. And to them, like Dustin will tell you, he goes, I love that half the uh, schools in the country. Have to worry about, yeah, they don't have to worry about anybody coming and take their job. Now, Dixon's a different animal, the kid from Texas. Yeah. Um, but the Aussies, man, ever since Darren Bennett came over here, it's just been infiltrated with. And typically, it's a little bit unfair to some extent because most of those guys are mid twenties. Yeah, when they're coming over, we're talking. You know, do we want to develop seventeen, eighteen year old kids to to be our kicker, or do you want them to wait five years and then go to? College? I mean, it just to me, it's almost like an unfair deal in a sense yeah. because obviously at twenty five, you're bigger, stronger, more mature. You know, I, I just easily. I, I, yeah, I get it. Um, Am I wrong in saying that? Aren't most of them older? No, you're you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, you're talking yeah. about the, the Miami guys, twenty oh, eight yeah. years old with tats and a son. Is he twenty eight? Uh, twenty six or twenty eight? He's he's up he there. Looks twenty. When I saw him, like I saw the picture, because obviously Jeff Siegel's son was there. I mean, there's there's like uh, at least twenty or thirty Australians in FBS football starting right now. And that, that's a topic of discussion that lately has been going on is, is you know, or at, at some point is the NCAA ever going to do something against international players? I, I don't think they will. Um, but then, I think you should, I think there has to be, uh, you know, some sort of age cap, right? Like, I, I guess, you know what, it, it's ultimately about winning, right? And if, if those kids are the better, or those men are the better guys, I mean, I, I, I would love to see some sort of rule implemented, though, um, just to, I don't know. Yeah, but now, now you have Cam, Cam Johnson. You got yeah. Barry. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Dixon. Yeah. So, I mean, you're now all these all these cats in Australia are like, shoot, let's you know, get with the pro kick Australia guys, Chapman, John Bennett, and let's go to the league. I mean, I, I think yeah. in the next five years, you're, we're gonna start seeing like half, thirty-five percent to fifty percent of starting punters are, are, are gonna be Australian-born. I bet. Yeah, I would agree with that because even when I played, they were prevalent. I mean, yeah, Brad, Brad Wing. Brad Wing was with the Giants, and then Savaroka was with the Eagles. Roka, yeah. He was like two sixty. I mean, you know, like we grow up throwing a football; they grow up kicking it. Like that's that's yeah. where. They're so much more advanced. I mean, they they kick it to each other, so they can do things with the ball. That why are we only seeing punting? 
coming out of Australia, though? Aren't we seeing any kind of place kicking? Um, that's, that's what kind question. of boggles my mind. You got all these punters, but like they, do they just not specialize in teaching? Well, because the game of, of rugby, right, Australian rules football, is more about punting, like kicking the ball down the field yeah. or or passing it with your foot. I mean, you could sit there and these guys, you could throw 30 yards away and they could punt it to you on a rope, you know, just a spiral right to your chest. It's it's unbelievable. They, they yeah. grow up kicking balls. We grew up throwing them. So I'm, I'm just but, wondering if I have to move my family to Australia and start teaching 20, 26-year-olds how to kick, and then I'll be well, I know, I know that's where T-Mac, the guy I talked about earlier, my special teams coach, that's with the Giants, again, um, that's where he found Brad Wing. I mean, yeah. I think he actually jumped on a plane and went to Australia. Wow. Saw, saw like, because I think, it, don't they have an Australia now, too, LSU? Uh, I think Maybe. so. Yeah, so it's, it's just pretty bizarre. You know what's always baffled me in, in college football is, we talked about Alabama's struggles with place kickers. Is why do they always have the best punters? Like I'm like, if I had that offense, all my punters would be walk-ons. Hopefully, you find a diamond in the rough. I'm not saying walk-ons can't make it. I made it, but I would just I wouldn't spend scholarships on punter. You never punt. I mean, yeah, I, I would just probably sign two kickers a year, maybe one every other year, and try and find somebody. I just I, I for the life of me can't understand how schools like that just can't find guys I, I don't but to your point I, I think they're, they're the right guys are there I just think something needs to be done better when they get there yeah through from a well, coaching perspective and that's why Chris and I kind of formulated the camps the way we have them because you have two or three of the big big dog camps out there and it's and it's purely purely ranking and and, and rating and evaluation only and and then it's it's who had, who had a great day that day, right? And then you, then you get your star rating, and then you move on. And and now college coaches use those as like a reference point. Yeah. And and then and then I think this, and there's and these guys are smart. It's it's then getting them on campus, you know, in the summer college camp. Then it's okay if they have a day then too. Let's go right. and offer them. Where for me personally, I I'd, I'd want to see how I'd want to see them maybe at some of these camps. On, on film and then see them in person and then maybe see how they're doing obviously in their real games for five or six weeks before I pull the trigger yeah. just to see some consistency and I think a lot of these coaches just pull the trigger off a one day camp you know yeah um, and, and that's that's interesting too because you know you, sometimes there's there's so many talented kids out there where their coaches really just don't kick field goals right I mean it is I, I, I've I was a really good high school kicker, and I remember we scored like 65 touchdowns, give or take, my senior year. We only kicked 30 PATs. Like, we went for two, like, half the time. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was bizarre. And then, you know, 32-yard field goal, you know, you like to get kind of a, a stat builder, uh, fourth and three. No, 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 we're going to go for it. It, it just, you know, it, you'd like to see – high schools kick more but obviously sometimes operationally they can't do it so my options were wake forest walk on montana <laughs> florida guy from montana montana recruited the panhandle for whatever reason and then troy and then troy which just felt comfortable it was two hours away yeah um, i had a lot of former high school teammates up there uh had a really close friend robert downs who doesn't coach anymore but he was at Troy and he, he was from Milton basically recruited me I mean I was a recruited walk on whatever they call it now preferred walk on what does that mean by the way so I mean the way I look at it as two, two things one is the cliche saying hey we don't have enough scholarships but you have the talent to get a scholarship but we yeah. don't have enough and two which I think is the main takeaway is um, which is what we tell kids to always ask is, hey, we only have 110 kids that are invited to fall camp. So you're a preferred walk-on. You're going to be one of the guys that is part of that 110 that's coming okay. to fall camp to compete for four weeks. However, you'll have coaches out there that will say preferred walk-on, and the kids won't ask the question, and some coaches won't tell you. And then last minute, 
hey, you're not going. We don't. We're, we're out of numbers. You're going to have to wait four weeks to join the squad. So gotcha. you know, now you're just a general walk-on because now you're joining a team week one. You know, and how do you even have a chance to show yourself in, in one week? You know, when you have four weeks, you could have had four weeks in fall camp. So I don't know, Chris. Do you have an opinion on a preferred walk-on? I mean, you get all the benefits that a scholarship guy gets minus the money. So they they, okay. they treat you as well as you can, but they're just not ha- right. paying for the education. Yeah, yeah, Troy. We all, I mean, we had so many walk-ons. It was it was unbelievable. We had probably five or six kickers that walked on within the first two years I was there. There had a bunch of transfers from like Auburn and big schools. You know, I was fortunate because, you know, Mark Fleetwood was our secondary coach, and I believe he's he may still be coaching in Georgia or somewhere. And he actually kicked at South Carolina, was an All American, and uh, went with the Cowboys. So I had him, and then you know, even the guy before me, Matt Hurricamp, I redshirted. Matt Hurricamp transferred from LSU my freshman year, so I redshirted. He kicked. He had one year of eligibility left. Was awesome learn from him the guy before him was from Denmark his name was Ali Kwas Troy has had I mean if you look at historical I mean over the last 20 years they've had really good kickers above average and I don't know why that is um, maybe it's just because when one guy makes I don't know but I feel like they've just always done really well uh, and Tyler Sumter's obviously keeping that alive right now and then you've got you've got a kid there now right one of your guys Lawrence yep. This kid just dude. I saw his kickoffs the other day. Well, they weren't even they weren't even as good as what. Uh, I mean, you hit four threes right now as a freshman. That's yeah. No, I mean if you're hitting kick, I mean that's that's a great sign as a freshman. I mean, that, if there's one thing, you know, I wasn't ready. I'm glad I redshirted. I just you know the transition. I was I kicked off a two inch tee in high school. Um, the toughest thing that I dealt with in college was the speed. Like the get off time, like I just could not figure out how to get there. One three, one three five, whatever the number is. Yeah, was, I consistently hear, even from Tyler, kids I work with, even in high school. You know, you get this this football coach that that's been around football. He doesn't truly know the kicking game, but he knows what get off time should be, and. It doesn't stop. It, it's through college, the NFL. They're still the same. We gotta get it all faster. We gotta get it all faster. We gotta get it all faster. Well, it creates this anxiety, first of all, for the kickers, and then all of a sudden you're way too fast. You're way too quick. I I tell guys, don't listen to your special teams coach. I know that's probably not the right thing to say, but I tell them that don't listen to them. In practice, you can be one three five, one three eight, one. You know, you don't want to be one four zero, but being the high one threes, the game's going to take care of itself. You're naturally, just like every other position on the field, naturally going to be faster. It's just an innate ability because of the game, the situation. You are naturally going to be five to you know nine tenths faster in a game. So right. don't don't teach yourself one one nine one two two, and then in the game you're going to be one one five. I mean that's just because I always tell kids that it's such a big thing, and I think that's probably what you're seeing with kids. Guys are so fast into the ball. I don't really sit there and watch football with a stopwatch, but I just think coaches harp on that. You got to be faster. You gotta, I hear that all the time. I don't understand it. Sometimes I just say, "Hey, maybe the line's got to block a little bit better." <laughs> you know, like that's like true. like would you rush a quarterback's three step drop? You know, and like but, like like and, there's and a certain the amount is, of time that needs to happen to make it effective. You know, it's funny because coaches are kind of double-talking, right? They'll talk about pre-speed, then they talk about regular season speed, and then there's a post-season speed, to be honest with you. I mean, if you watch film, you'll see these three different speeds in the NFL. There's pre-season, regular season, and post-season. It's weird when everyone's banged up. I mean, you watch film, and it's it's noticeably faster in the post-season than it is in the pre-season or regular season. Yeah. But but if, if I could be, you know, a special teams coach at every school in the country just for a day, I would, I would. That's the one thing I would make sure I, I, I left the kids with is, coaches, stop speeding these kids up. You don't want them being slow. You don't want them over one four. 
You don't want them under one three or under you know one two nine something like that. Let them kick, be in rhythm, and the game will speed them up. And I think that's a big thing that the coaches miss out on is they just try and rush these kids. And to your point, going back to what you said earlier, yes, we all you know I think you probably will see more kickers, punters being you know hired as kicking coaches for for some of these big schools that can afford it. Um, well, you know, the one thing that, that I saw with the transition to the two-step, I thought was when, when McManus for the Broncos was competing with the Connor Barth, right? Yeah. So Connor Barth was a three-stepper, and then yeah. McManus changed to two-step in, in camp, like during or during preseason. Yeah. And then uh, from what the article that came out was that that he had a quicker op time because both guys were so like they were just head on with each other. Like no, not one person was ahead of the other person. And and then the article was written that uh, that they took McManus because he had a quicker operation time. And I just took that as all right. He's a two stepper, and Arthur is a three stepper. At that time, he was three stepper. Huh. Then that was like I don't know four or five years ago. I think. Yeah. You know so. He was also, one thing that probably, I mean, he's also cheaper. (laughs) I mean, and, and, you know, because the Giants had both McManus and Boswell in camp at one point. And then they kind of let both of them go, the whole Josh Brown thing, and then obviously they found us. But I know Brandon, I was at the Masters with him this past year, and he's a, a, I mean, it's, it's almost one and a half steps. I mean, it's it's two, wow. but it's it's not. You know, it's he's such a tall guy. He's like six four. He's a he big, big, big dude. So his up, their up times probably like one two then easy, right? Probably. You know, I, my I was I was at my best in games one two seven one two nine. That was my. That's where I was. And now, so the audience hears this. This is also with the biggest, strongest men in America blocking for you. So you're. Yep, You're, you have wide people in front of you. Where compared to your high school team, you do not have anywhere anywhere remotely close to a Lawrence hat. So that's why, you know, and my assumption is that guys, coaches are wanting them to get off in one point two because they don't have people blocking like yeah. what you had. So you can you can get off. I mean, we've the, the only one you really worry about in the NFL is, is if I'm being honest, is off the edge. I mean, these guys are so good off the edge, and if you watch Sunday football. I mean, it's, you watch, I mean, it's literally point zero five away from being blocked every time. Wow. Up the edge. I mean, it just, crazy. I don't realize how people, like, if people notice that or not. Watch a PAT, you know, uh, Rondé Barber. Unbelievable. Um, you remember, uh, Camardi, I think he's still playing. When he was with the, he was unbelievable. But we literally game-planned field goal around him. Like, everything was ha- had to be done. You know, obviously, they, they want you to not really speed up, but we would have, um, we would go on two on field goals. We got them to jump when he was at Philly and when he was at Arizona. We got him to jump. So we would go, right? Obviously, all year long, you've got this little, you know, hand coming out and then your hand to the, to the snapper, and then the, he would snap. Well, we would do that, right? And obviously, we knew DRC was watching film because that's what he does, and he studies it. So, anytime on our first field goal, we got him twice. I mean, I, I think we played him six or seven times in my career, but um, that's the guy you worry about. I always got the ball up really well. I mean, that was one of my strengths as a kicker. I got the ball up really quick and high, so I never really worried about that. Um, but, you know, the guys, there's some guys off the edge you really have to game plan for. How how did you like the ball tilted for health? Straight up, I was straight up and down. Yeah, you're a straight up and down guy. Um, I, and, and my theory behind that was the snapper and the holder, their job is is already difficult. I just wanted I was a put the ball down and let me kick it. Like I just didn't want, you know, I, I just never think the lean's going to be exactly how you want it every time. Now in the NFL college maybe but certainly in the NFL these snappers are so good at, um, the holders are good I mean literally they, the snappers know exactly how many revolutions it is back to the holder 
few catches that were you guys watched on Sunday. I mean, ninety nine percent of them they're catching it with the laces already out. So, in some sense, it is easier with regards to having so much confidence. You know, it's going to be there. But I just never liked any lean. Steve would Steve Weatherford was the one. Actually, probably Jeff did it too. Jeff Eagles did it. Was you know they would always say if we were into a right to left win, they would maybe lean it a little bit. And I just said, I don't care what you do, just put it down. If you want to lean it, that's fine. <laughs> I just I, I just was like, put it down. To me, you know, I don't know if you have you guys ever seen how Acres like the ball. I've heard that it is insane. Have a forward reference forward to the to the left it's a forward and to the left. If there was a certain type of wind, right? He was forward, like, always. Like, I wish I could show you right now. Like, take the ball straight up and down yep. and lean it five inches <clears throat> forward. It was unbelievable. I don't know how he got but the ball up. I, I thought that he also had certain... He would have certain preferences of the ball being leaned certain ways depending on what, what wind was coming at him. Or which would whichever way. Like I thought he had three or four. You're gonna have to get Baker's on the podcast. Well, we are next. Yeah, week is next week actually. And oh, that's cool. We'll ask him. So <laughs> I, actually, I was gonna say I could reach out to him. For you, I, I'm actually a straight up and down guy too. Um, Me too. I just so, so yeah. what happens is I'll, I'll be at a training or camp, and we'll be with kids, and then we'll be like at 25, 30 yards. And I rarely ever go past like 50. I always try to keep it like within realistic option like opportunities for these kids yeah we'll get past 40 and then i'll have a random kid every once in a while that just will start drastically tilting it i'm like dude i literally just saw you and you barely had you know maybe a little one o'clock angle tilt but now why is it like pointed to two o'clock you know is it as he gets further back he's doing that yeah yeah he's like well i think i'm gonna kick it farther and i'm like dude don't let the ball be the reason why you make or miss it you need to be the reason why you make or miss it. So for me, that was how I viewed it was like, if the ball is straight up and down every time, I'm the reason why I'm making it or missing it. I'm not going to have a ball tilt, whether it's exposing the sweet spot more or it's hiding the sweet spot, whatever. That was kind of my philosophy is I was always like a straight up and down guy. Uh, Yeah. For me, less is more like, I just was like, put it down. Let's go. And, I just think it makes everything easier. I, I don't want the holder thinking about, you know, especially it's throughout my career. I mean, I had, you know, Dustin Colquitt never held him in life. Matt Dodge never held him in life. I mean, wow. I had some guys, you know, and once they draft a punter in the NFL, he's yours. And he's going to have to be the holder now. Ultimately, after week four or five, <laughs> we, uh, we had to let Matt Dodge go from holding. Uh, I, I got off to a horrendous start, maybe like three for six or something that year. And then Sage Rosenfels was our backup quarterback, and he had held for Chris Brown a little bit in Houston. And Sage is a big guy. I mean, 6'5". Um, he is, thankfully, he came in and held. I think we made like our next 21 in a row to finish the year. So that was helpful, but it's such a it's so underestimated. It's not easy, but typically, you know, if you're a drafted punter, I mean, if you remember when David Akers at Philly, they cut Quick Ebber, and, and and David and David will probably tell you this. He struggled a little bit, like when they he had to get a new holder. They actually signed Coy Detmer back. You have to write this down in your notes if you talk to him. They actually signed Coy Detmer back just to hold for the playoffs. That's wild. Wow, it was unbelievable. That's, awesome. That's how good and how comfortable he was with Coy Detmer. Right. as this holder so that's impressive yeah I mean you know he was he was more of a you know you know David had his you know and guys do they have you know certain ways they like the ball and I was just always you know less is more I was a minimalist like let's just line up and kick it let's just I, you know my two thoughts when I kicked were obviously line up Keep your head down. That's all I ever told myself. Line up right and keep your head down. And, you know, there's only two things that can happen. You either make it or... <laughs> like, you know, I just never overthought it. I never um, really 
you know, overanalyze it. I think what's happening maybe now is some of these young guys that have so many people telling them 50 million things were all, you know, when we were coming up, we didn't have a lot of this, you know, yeah. a lot of access to what's available now. And it's the old paralysis by analysis. I mean, just, just get, I mean, obviously you want people to kind of look at your swing and maybe, you, you know, you know, Tyler and some of these other guys you've worked with, you, you've seen them, you've groomed them, you've made them better. And I think that's maybe the one guy they should listen to, but, I think there's just too many people telling them, you know, 20 different things. Hey, what's up, 4D Nation? This interview turned out to be phenomenal. In fact, it was an hour and 45 minutes long. So what we decided to do is cut this interview up in two parts. So the first part that you heard was Lawrence's deep dive into the kicking game. And we just talked a lot of shop. Part two, coming out shortly, will be more stories about his career. So join us. And listening to part two of our interview with Lawrence Tynes. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Fourth Down Experience. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fourth Down Experience.